Hello, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. Hello, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. I'm Ryan Beach, and today what I'd like to do is to uh, keep the conversation going about my audition with the St. Louis Symphony. Uh, last week or so, a little over a week ago, I released an episode detailing what I did with my audition and some of the things that I struggled with, and then also why I'm glad I did it. I'd just like to dive a little bit deeper into that. Uh, for those of you that might be curious, I did not advance in the audition I felt like I played well, but it certainly wasn't a perfect round. I missed some notes here and there. That's pretty normal. But I also was just dealing with an elevated heart rate. You know, I felt like my mental space was good. I was focused on what I was doing. But there was just sort of, as many people experience, uh, involuntary uh, heart rate increase. I, No matter what I did, it seemed like it wouldn't go away. I know how to center. I know how to do those things. So I was dealing with that. And so there are certain things that I struggle with. I felt like I played well, but still, uh, it wasn't enough. And I think some other people just played better, and that happens. So I was certainly disappointed with the outcome. I tried really hard, but especially you know in the moments after the audition and then for the rest of that day, I really just tried to keep my thoughts focused on, okay, what problems did I experience? How might I fix them for next time? And really just trying to uh, focus on the positives of what did I learn and how am I going to be better? So uh, I really think every audition process should teach you something about musicianship or trumpet performance or even how to structure an intelligent process of audition preparation. I feel like for me it did that. During this audition prep, I mentioned it in the previous episode, but I actually kept a journal to record notes about excerpts, uh, the various plans of attack I would have. So when this excerpt started, I wanted to think this and then start thinking this, trying to just figure out some things that would be good for me to keep my mind occupied. Also plans of attack in terms of what structures I was going to use and how I was going to design programs. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of tracking my mental space throughout it. How was I feeling? Was I feeling confident? Was I not feeling confident? You know, was I kind of dealing with why I have no business auditioning for this job? Stuff like that. I kind of just kept track. I'd never done this before, but after having done it, I highly recommend it as sort of just a, here's what I did, here's what I was thinking, so you can kind of go back and really see. The, for me, the most interesting part was just to see how my thoughts and my attitudes changed over time. I started out feeling pretty sort of insecure or non-confident, and then it was interesting to see how many times over the course of the process I started writing, I'm feeling pretty good today, or I feel like I could play well enough to advance or to win this job. I was feeling more confident as the process of preparation uh, was unfolding over time. So on one of these days, uh, on August 27th, I wrote down some thoughts, and in this episode, I'd like to go over those thoughts. Um, we're going to share five things, five thoughts that seemed important enough for me to write down in this journal, and my hope is that um, the ideas that I'm going to share here in this episode can help maybe solidify someone who already has an established audition process, just sort of some interesting things to think about, or if you are struggling with audition preparation, 
that you might be able to take some of this information and apply it to just get some more positive outcomes out of the work you're doing. So uh, without any further ado, let's dive into the five thoughts that I wrote down in my journal about audition preparation. So the first thought I'd like to share with you is that you have to be effective with your practice before you can be efficient. You have to be effective with your practice before you can be efficient. Now, what do I mean by that? I believe when designing an audition program, it's important to focus on first designing a process that will be effective and then learning how to make that process more efficient. Why is that? Well, to start this, it might be helpful to just sort of define the words efficient and effective. So I think a lot of us over our entire careers have always desired more efficiency with our work, right? We want to maximize the time. We want to maximize productivity. And so uh, to define quickly efficiency, just so we're all on the same page, uh, the definition that pops up that I think is applicable when you type efficiency into Google is achieving maximum productivity with minimum wasted effort or expense. And in parentheses right before that, it actually says of a machine or system. And since we're talking about an audition process as a system of preparation, this seems to really uh, be applicable to what we're talking about. So efficiency in your practice just means that there's no wasted effort. Each time that we play, there's a purpose, right? And we're not just going through the motions and, oh, I just got to do this and I'm not really focused on anything. I'm just playing this because I have to. Deliberate practice is the name of the game here uh, of making sure that when you have a repetition, you're using it to learn something and you're you're refining and culling your efforts so that it's moving closer towards something and, and we're doing it in the sort of most efficient or productive way possible. We're not playing way more repetitions than we need. It's all really dialed in. And I think a lot of us, like I said, desire efficiency in our work because not only does it maximize your time, but it often compounds the work you do over time. So what I mean by that is if you are really efficient, you're probably not making a ton of mistakes. You've designed your work to be, you know, the right tempo and the right kind of difficulty so that you're able to uh, get the most out of your work. So you're probably establishing good habits at the beginning and then you're building on those habits. And so sort of exponentially over time, things are going to become more and more uh, efficient and solidified. Um, the other word we're talking about here is effectiveness, and the Google definition of that is being successful and producing a desired or intended result. So effectiveness in your practice session means you've accomplished your goal and that each day is spent practicing is sort of uh, laying a brick down that will build a strong foundation over time, right? So one day of practice is I lay this brick, then I lay that brick, then I lay that brick. And if over time, we have the house that we wanted to build. And so the question you have to ask yourself for effectiveness of practice is what is the goal? So for me, the goal of my audition prep for St. Louis was to develop a musical plan to structure my work, to make that plan as automatic as possible, and also to develop an intense focus to recall that plan under pressure in an audition. So the reason I think we should value effectiveness 
first and then efficiency is because we don't actually know how long it will take and how much work it will be to produce a desired goal until we dig in and try something. So valuing effectiveness first means you're likely to end up doing too much work to ensure your desired result than too little. Does this make sense? You know, if you practice more than you need to and you produce the desired result, you're like, okay, well, maybe I practiced too much or I didn't need to do that much, but I got the intended result. I'm thinking of a, a Brass Junkies podcast episode with my friend Jeff Strong where he said something along the lines of, you know, I did all of these things, everything I knew how to do for an audition, I did. And he listed a bunch of those things. And he was like, it was probably overkill, but he won the audition. So you could think to yourself, maybe it's overkill, but he got, uh, I mean, among other things, the desired result or outcome of winning the audition. So what Jeff could do from there is to say, okay, now that I've got the desired result and I know how much work I did, is it possible for me to make that system more efficient? so that you're gradually refining a system that you know is effective, so that you can gauge, well, next edition I take, if I make the system more effective and I have a similar result in terms of how I play, well, then I know that I've made this effective system more efficient, okay? For me, I started pre prepping for this audition in St. Louis on August 2nd, and the audition wasn't until October 17th. So in hindsight, this was probably too much. I probably didn't need to prep for two and a half months. But because I was trying out a new system of preparation, one that I had never done before, I didn't really want to leave anything to chance. So now that I'm finished with this audition, I can look back over my notes. I have all these detailed notes, and I can see, well... What should I do a little bit differently? Is there anything I can combine? Is there anything that I did before that I don't have to do this time around because I've already done it? Things like that. Thinking, how can I make this system more efficient and still get the same effective result? So simply put, just to summarize this point here, once you reach a desired goal, then you can start doing less work and to see if you can still get that same goal. Focus on effectiveness of practice first, then work on making those systems more efficient. The second thought that I'd like to share with you is that the things I learned during this audition prep has made me better at my job. I mentioned this point in my previous episode, uh, but I think it's really, really important. So I kind of wanted to revisit it and actually go more in depth to um, discuss this point. Uh, I was talking to a colleague of mine in the Alabama Symphony Orchestra after I came back from the St. Louis audition, and I was sort of half-jokingly saying, you know, I worked really hard, and I didn't advance, and it's disappointing, and it feels like I could have put in zero effort and had this same exact outcome. You know, maybe you have had this kind of uh, feeling before at one point or another. Um, my colleague fired back at me right away and said, that's definitely not true. And, and this colleague chose to use this pictures at an exhibition concert that we had played uh, maybe a month ago or so, as an example, saying, you know, you played pictures this time around with, you know, in a much more compelling manner than you did when we did it, you know, three, four, five years ago. I can't remember how long it was. 
And so he's like, it's definitely not for nothing. You know, your preparation, I think, made you uh, be even better in that concert. And he's definitely right. It's easy to get down on ourselves when the outcome of an audition doesn't go our way. Uh, you know, I haven't advanced in the last six or so auditions that I've taken, so I know this frustration. Uh, but because I tried as hard as I could for this prep, really more so than any other audition, I got better overall, and that's something that I can take with me. I think that the thing that drove the most amount of improvement was really just how much more deeply I listened to recordings. You know, I don't know if I had really ever taken the time that I should have taken to dig deep and make really specific musical decisions about how I wanted things to go. Not necessarily how my teachers told me to do it, but like how I thought that they should go based on what the composer is or what the score says or what the style of this excerpt is or just how other professionals played them on recordings. I began to hear more nuance in recordings that I had never heard before because I listened so many more times with such you know specificity. Uh, for example, the recording that I seemed to gravitate to the most for the post-horn solo was Chicago with Levine, maybe from the 70s, I think. And, you know, Bud sounds incredible on this uh, recording. It just seems like when you listen to it the first time, he's just singing beautifully through all these lines. But after, you know, the 15th or so listen, I just heard so much more nuance and how he incorporated things like rubato and how he directed each of the phrases. And it just gave me a deeper understanding of that excerpt that I could apply to my own interpretation that I was bringing forth. But I can also begin to apply what I learned there to a lot of the other music that I'm going to come across in my career. In addition to that, uh, working through my audition process to refine this music to the absolute best of my ability and then playing for my colleagues to get more feedback showed me what aspects of musicality that they're paying attention to that I wasn't. If I was paying attention to it, it would have been in the presentation that I gave to them. So for me to be able to get feedback on uh, note shapes and note groupings or the architecture of phrases and just thinking about it a different way, this information was invaluable to me and will make me a better musician overall as I begin to apply these things um, over time. Uh, my final point is, uh, before moving on at least, is there's nothing like an audition to drive this kind of progress. I've been a believer that you don't need an audition to develop a process that can drive musical growth, and I still do believe that. <laughs> but there's nothing like working on all of the best parts of incredible repertoire and making super specific decisions about how you're going to present a musically you know, sensitive and authentic version of the excerpts uh, and also the idea that you might get employment on the other side or maybe even like considering it a raise. There's nothing like that to uh, drive deep and meaningful growth in one's playing. So long story short for this point, an audition can drive incredible growth. And if that's all you can get out of your efforts, it's well worth it, in my opinion. The next thought that I would like to share with you is that when preparing for an audition, there is a time to learn and a time to recall. 
This idea came to me from a book that was recommended by Matt Vangel. He's a really good friend and the trumpet professor at Louisiana State University. He recommended a book called A Mind for Numbers by Barbara Oakley. The description of this book, when you go to buy it, one part reads, In a mind for numbers, Dr. Oakley lets us in on the secrets to learning effectively, secrets that even dedicated and successful students wish they'd known earlier. The scope of this book deals mostly with learning as related to math and science, but the concepts are easily applicable to music. In the fourth chapter of this book, titled Chunking and Avoiding Illusions of Competence, The Secret to Becoming an Equation Whisperer, the author discusses whether rereading material over and over again or testing your ability to recall information is a better way of mastering information. So they sort of tested students and observed the results of their uh, methods of learning. So one of them was they had a student read some material and then tried to recall that material relatively soon after, and then they read the material again, and they tried to recall it. And then other methods were used to test other students, like just reading the material and then reading it again and then reading it again. And the study that they did showed that the students that read the material and tried to recall it learned far more and at a much deeper level than using any other approach, including that one where you just read it over and over again. This idea really intrigued me, and I thought about how to incorporate it into my audition preparation, and I think it, it totally works. There is a time in our preparation where we should be listening to recordings, studying the score, recording yourself, playing for others to gain feedback, and there's also a time to focus on recalling what you have learned in order to test yourself to find out what is imprinted and what you still don't understand. So for me and my audition prep for St. Louis, I actually did this in stages. I would have a two-week program where I was focused on practicing and listening to my recordings, making decisions about what I wanted to be better and all that kind of stuff. And the focus was on learning. And then after this two-week program, I would record the excerpts at my goal tempo, tempo for one week. And the focus was on still recording myself, but really focusing on trying to recall as much as I could and then saying, okay, what's there and what's not. It looks the same from the outside, but the focus and the purpose of the work was different. And I think that's a super important distinction that I had never thought about before, but makes a lot of sense to me, at least. And the final week of my audition prep, I actually stopped recording myself altogether, and I switched to just running a lot of mock rounds in my garage, focusing on recalling everything I had learned in the previous eight weeks. So almost the idea that the work of learning is over and the work of recalling is what I need to focus on because that's what you'll do in the audition. You sit down and then you are like, can I recall everything that I've learned and demonstrate it? Uh, in this particular point, to sum it up, long story short, when you're preparing for an audition, it can be useful to decide if you're gonna focus on learning and developing and imprinting your musical plan, or if you're aiming to test your ability to recall your plan so that you can gain information that will help you guide your future efforts when learning and practicing. The fourth idea I'd like to share with you is one that I've talked about before 
and that is about the use of phases when preparing for an audition. If you've been a long-time listener of the podcast, you'll remember that my second episode ever is titled Powerlifting and Music, What They Have in Common, and it's sort of a look into, a very basic look into how powerlifters structure their training to be prepared to lift the heaviest weight they can on a specific day, and then what we can learn from them in our own preparation for things like auditions. So for exercise programming, generally it's separated into different phases, each phase having its own focus that will add up over time to prepare the athlete efficiently and effectively. These phases are called the volume phase, the realization phase, and the peaking phase. So in that episode, a long time ago, I think it's January of 2019, uh, in that episode I outlined how we can borrow and adjust this approach for our own preparation purposes. The volume phase I renamed the acclimation phase, the realization phase I renamed the ingraining phase, and the peaking phase I renamed the peaking phase. <laughs> Looks like I ran out of creativity on that day, I guess. Now when I wrote that episode, I had a decent understanding of what all of this is, but now having taken an audition for myself, this is literally the first time I've had a chance to take an audition since I s developed that methodology. Uh, I just know a lot more and it's a lot more specific and I can share with more specificity. So in the acclimation phase, this first phase, the goal is to learn or to understand. You're trying to build as much of your musical foundation as you can. It's really important to not skip this phase. I talked about in the previous episode all of the things that I did in this phase, things like listening, score study, practicing things at a slower tempo. You're going to decide something even like, who am I? What makes me unique? And how am I going to make sure that I present that? All these types of cursory foundational things we want to do in the the acclimation phase, because if we skip it, you're really missing out on a huge part of the development of your mental representation or just the sound you hear in your head. And that mental representation is going to act as a guide when you're listening back to recordings and when you're trying to create while you're playing. If you miss out on the development of this, you're really missing out on that vital component that helps guide your practice. For the ingraining phase, the goal is to imprint your musical plan and production habits and to make them as automatic as you can. In the St. Louis prep, I did this by, I ran two-week programs that are dialed in for my level of familiarity with each excerpt or how difficult they are or you know what level of challenge they pose in terms of is this the upper register or a piccolo excerpt or stuff like that. Each of these two-week cycles that I ran, they had a different focus. The first two-week cycle was mostly focused on getting all of the excerpts to a similar level of familiarity, which means I'll generally practice the difficult excerpts more than the easy ones. And then the second cycle, I increase the frequency or how often I see each excerpt throughout the week, and then the focus shifts more to imprinting the musical plan as much as I can of all of the excerpts. And then if I do a third program, most of the excerpts are then performed at the goal tempo, and you're sort of doing a sort of hybrid transition from the ingraining phase into the peaking phase. Um, in, in a sense, I like to think about these cycles as you're building the excerpts in layers. So cycle one is the layer of notes, articulations, production, you know, the basic musical structure like note groupings and architecture of phrases. 
And then the second cycle is a deeper musical layer. Now that you've established sort of all the basic foundational stuff in the first cycle, the second cycle you can get deeper and be more critical about whether or not you're bringing the color or the character or really getting into the mood of the excerpt. And then cycle three is a continuation of cycle two, but you just have less tempo progressions involved and it's shifting more towards performing. And then finally, in the peaking phase, the goal that you have would be to recall your musical plan over and over and over. You really want to turn your focus to building confidence and familiarity with your own plan and to kind of enjoy just playing the trumpet or whatever your instrument is again. We spend so much time in these first two phases in a critical mindset. I find it to be really important, but also just a breath of fresh air kind of to say, you know what, I've done all this kind of critical work. I want to just step back, take a breath, play and enjoy just playing, enjoy the fruit of my labor, so to speak. So long story short here on this thought, uh, using phases in your audition preparation allows you to hone your focus and go goals more specifically. If you layer your goals correctly, you can build a musical house that looks beautiful on the outside and also has a strong foundation. The final thought I'd like to share with you is that auditions are an opportunity to get better and I am grateful for that opportunity. This is related to the second thought that we discussed in this episode that we can improve, but the focus is much more on the idea that sometimes improvement on our instruments can slow down or even stop. And instead of seeing auditions as just a chance to win a job that you would want, it's also possible to see auditions as an opportunity to sharpen your skills. Uh, a friend of mine, Justin Bartels, He's the principal trumpet of the Colorado Symphony. I first met Justin at an audition for the Cincinnati Symphony back in 2014, and then I saw him again at this audition in St. Louis. And each of these times that I've seen Justin, he's mentioned how for him, auditions aren't just about winning the job, but rather it's about him having an opportunity to improve as a player. Uh, and that perspective really stuck with me, and I've tried to constantly focus on it before and after the audition in St. Louis. I've mentioned before on my podcast that I've spent a lot of my time as a professional kind of feeling lost. When I was in school and I was pursuing auditions, I had very specific, easily definable purpose. Go win an audition. But once I won the job, it was like, well, I guess maybe I should play a recital. Maybe that'll make me better. Or I guess I have to take an audition. I was kind of lost. And the the development of the gold method and using it in my own practice definitely drove improvement, especially over the pandemic. I really feel like I got a lot better. But also applying that method to this audition preparation, it just took that improvement to a whole nother level. Uh, long story short here... Even though the outcome of an the audition that I had is not what I wanted, I still feel grateful for the opportunity to sharpen my skills and improve. It definitely helps to reduce the sting of failure and to really recommit myself to developing even more effective methods for the next audition. 
I think that's going to be all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to it. And uh, if you need to get in touch with me, you can do that on that'snotspit.com or that's not spit on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can also head to ryanbeachtrumpet.com and send me a message there. Uh, I'm not on social media a whole lot, so if you send me a message and I don't respond right away, uh, I will probably eventually see it. But if you really need to get a hold of me, uh, sending me a thing through my website is probably the easiest way. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it was uh, interesting to consider some of these thoughts and these ideas with me. And uh, yeah, we will see you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.